When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 28. Today's episode is all about discovering yourself through astrology. There is always a combination of fate and destiny and of free will. With every planet, every house, every sign in astrology, there is the high side and there's the low side. Astrology can help alert us to some of the choices that we might have to make and bring into more awareness that within any situation, we always have a choice of how we want to react. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hey, friends. First off, Mind Love is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can get all of your favorite podcasts. It has a super clean layout and you can create playlists and download episodes to play offline. It's my personal favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. Don't worry, you can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps me grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. So if you've been listening for a while, you know me well enough by now to know that I love finding new ways to look at the universe. And what better way to do that than to look to the stars, the planets, the cosmos. But before preparing for this episode, I really didn't know much about astrology apart from reading my horoscope. So our guest today was kind enough to give me a reading so I can see all the wisdom and guidance that astrology could provide. Natha Campanella is a professional astrologer, master life coach, and published writer. Her teachings center around exploring the truth. How are you showing up in your life? What are the repetitive thoughts and habits that are holding you back? And how this awareness can give us the tools to shift and transform. So today, three key things we will learn are how our personal planets can tell the stories of our struggles and our gifts. How to use this information for healing things like boundaries, people-pleasing, or self-worth issues. And some big planetary shifts coming up that will affect all of us. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to sign up for the Morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power so you can start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. To sign up, visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless booklet, which is an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and some of our favorite guests. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the Miracle Tone, which is known to help attract love, health, and abundance into your life. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. So be sure to head to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Natha Campanella to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So you did an astrology reading for me a few weeks back, and it definitely opened my eyes to the world of astrology. Before, I had only really had experience with free horoscopes in magazines or in some app that I have, but I knew there were deeper levels to it. I just had no education on any of it. So first, I want to clear up one of the biggest misconceptions most people have about astrology. I'm sure a lot of listeners have read their horoscopes online and thought, well, this is broad, but it would have to be, right? What are the chances that a 12th of the world's population would be having the same kind of day? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that 
horoscopes tend to actually discredit astrology often because of that same thing. People read their horoscope and sometimes it fits and sometimes it, it just doesn't fit at all. Or sometimes it's just so general that you could very well say, well, that could fit anybody. Um, when people, when astrologers are writing horoscopes, they essentially look at um, the sun sign, which is the where the sun was in the month that we were born. So we're all familiar with our sun signs. But they basically look at the sun sign and the relationship to the two fastest moving planets, which um, are the moon and Mercury. And so you can get some information about emotions. The moon rules emotions and Mercury rules communication. So you can definitely get some information. But the thing is that our sun sign is only a small part of our actual natal chart. Some of us have suns that are very well aspected, which means that our sun sign becomes a major part of who we are. But if that's not the case, meaning that if your sun doesn't make a lot of connections to the other planets or isn't in a sort of important place in your chart, then you're just simply not going to relate to it as much as other people might. And so I think that all of those things sort of contribute to either the accuracy or the inaccuracy that certain people feel when they're reading their horoscope. It was interesting to me how precise it is. It wasn't just my birth date. You needed the exact time that I was born and the location. And then we were hit with something pretty interesting in our reading because there is a discrepancy with my birth time. My mom swears I was born at 7.52 and has an unofficial document to back it up, but my birth certificate says 8.52. So this has come up before, and I've kind of wondered about it. Like, am I the only person who doesn't know the exact time she was born? And in my case, for this reading, the time does matter. It would have been like two completely different readings. But in a really cool twist of events, you were able to help me figure out which one may be right based on listing off of words and seeing which words I resonated with the most. The first list, I just kind of sat there blank faced because I didn't resonate with any of them. And the second list, every single word was like, yes, that is definitely me. So why is it that the exact time and place are going to affect the energy you bring to this world? So what we did for you is we did what we call rectification. And that's where I asked you, you know, given your two potential birth times, there were two different rising signs that you were going to have. And you definitely related to one of the signs and not the other. And so sometimes I do that with clients because, you know, the, the natal chart, which is what I read from, it's a natal chart reading. It's a map of where all of the planets are in the sky at the exact moment of your birth and in the lo exact location of your birth. So knowing the location and knowing the exact time are some really important things. It is possible to do a very accurate reading without the exact time, but there are some big chunks that we won't be able to read. We won't be able to know what your moon sign is. We won't be able to know what your rising sign is. So it is always best to get as close of a time as possible. You know, I, I think one of the things that you were wanting to know as well was this idea that why do we look at the birth time instead of the moment of conception? And what is the importance of knowing the exact birth time? And, you know, my mentor gave me a really good explanation of this. And that is that what we look for is that moment of first breath, because really that is the moment that we stop being a part of our mother's systems and we stop being a part of, of her and we really enter into the world as a little autonomous human. And so it is that first breath that sort of is the deciding factor on what is going on astrologically in that very moment. That explanation makes a lot of sense because you're finally your own little independent energy source. Another common thread I found around the internet is the idea that some people just feel like they're cursed or that bad things are always happening to them. Is there such thing as a better or worse astrological chart? Um, no, you know, I think that each of us comes, you know, the idea behind astrology is that we come into these lives, having sort of decided 
that we wanted to work on certain things. We wanted to, our souls really wanted to experience a certain kind of journey or learn specific things. And, you know, some people have charts that would suggest that their life might be a little bit more difficult. But the question of whether it's good or bad, it just depends. You know, some people, you know, what they want is a life of contentment and peace. And other people, what they want is a life of excitement and growth. And so, you know, what's good, what's bad? I don't know. You know, when I look at a chart, I can certainly find aspects that might be challenging or difficult for a person. And I can certainly find things that are harmonious and things that will flow for them in life. But, you know, I've never seen a chart where I just thought, oh, my God, this person is destined for failure. It's like there are always the high points and the low points. A quote somewhere that said, astrology is fatalistic in its approach. It rules out the free choice in each of us. I can see where that point of view comes from. It's like our fates are in the stars or they're predestined. So is astrology supposed to tell us our fate so we can best prepare or kind of guide us in combination with our free will? Well, you know, of course, there is always a combination of fate and destiny and of free will. And, you know, with every planet, every house, every sign in astrology, there is the high side and there's the low side. And the difference between whether we land on the high side or the low side is our choice and the way that we decide to navigate. If you get into a car accident and somebody hits you from behind, you know, you have a choice. You can get out and start screaming and yelling at them and making them cry and bringing a bunch of tension into the situation. Or you can get out and, you know, take a deep breath and tell them how shaken up you are and then exchange your names and and be on with it. You know, life is like that period. Astrology can help alert us to some of the choices that we might have to make and sort of bring into more awareness this idea that within any given moment, any situation, we always have a choice of how we want to react. Do we want to stay in our shadow side and stay a little bit more narrow? Or do we want to expand and do it differently, see a different perspective? That's really the the way that I tend to look at it is it's not that astrology says you're just stuck with this lot in life. It's like, yeah, you you came into a family perhaps that was difficult. And are you going to have children and make their life difficult? Or are you going to process your childhood wounding and ideally move into teaching your children how to do it differently, if that makes sense? It does. And one of the things that stuck out to me during my reading was that it said somewhere in my chart that I have a very strong inner critic. So there's two ways I can take that information. I can use it as an excuse to allow my inner critic to do its thing because it's just been validated and possibly make it stronger. Or I can use it to understand that that's my natural tendency realize the things I'm saying to myself are not who I am and can be changed and step out of that mental loop as more of an observer. And so I did. I chose that second option and doing so made it feel less personal. Like if a toddler called you stupid, you'd probably just say, okay, honey, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love so much about this tool our tendency to go through life in in a fairly unconscious way is strong. And oftentimes, if we don't understand what's happening, we just sort of let it happen. and, And we just sort of accept it as this is how it is. But to use your example, to have somebody say, you know, Melissa, you have a chart that suggests that you have a very active inner critic. You know, first of all, it's validating, because you can say, God, oh, my God, she's right, I really do. And then Even having the awareness means that the next time that you're getting on your own case or you're barking at yourself, you can say, oh, wow, this is that active inner critic. And just that awareness gives you some space from it and makes it so that it's not this part that's so woven into you that it's just unconscious. It suddenly becomes conscious and you have some freedom to do some shifting. Is there anything like that in your chart that added some big realization or bringing that awareness to it has guided you in your life? Yes, so many. <laughs> so many. You know, I, have, I also have a very active inner critic. 
And then I have a very sort of soft moon. And I think you and I actually talked about this. Uh, We both have the same moon sign. So what I realized is that having this very spongy part of myself, meaning that I can feel when people are upset, I can feel it. And then having this really loud inner critic that in the past would sort of yell at me and say, oh, well, you've upset this person. You know, this is your fault. And being able to see what's really happening has given me so much space to notice when I am in a place of anxiety is when my inner critic starts to get the loudest. And being emotionally porous tends to put me in a place of anxiety. And so it's this system that sort of used to function like a well-oiled machine, like keeping me down (laughs) as I was growing up. But now I can see it for what it is. And as soon as I realize what's happening, I can say, oh, this is happening. Let's do it differently. Yeah, it adds that little bit of detachment. I sometimes try to look at things as more of a chemical reaction or a cosmic reaction would be better in this case, instead of identifying with it so much and believing that's who we are and it can't be changed. You mentioned sun and moon signs. How does your sun sign affect you differently than your moon sign? And are there any other big key components in astrology that people can look out for without having to get so detailed into their charts like we did. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. You know, if you've never had an astrology reading, a natal chart reading is a great way to start because you're right. It's such a big system and a big map that it's really hard as a novice to sort of go in and try to understand what's happening. But the three big players tend to be our sun sign, which is the sun represents an identity point. It is our very core. It's the heart of who we are. It talks about our personality structures. It talks about how we sort of identify. And the moon sign, of course, represents our emotions and how we do emotions and what we need in order to feel safe and secure. And then our rising sign 
is how we meet the world. So it's another identity point, but it's a little bit more of the mask that we wear or, or sort of what we are willing to show people when we first meet them. And oftentimes, as I'm sure many listeners can, can relate to this, you know, we'll meet somebody and they'll appear to be completely different than who they are once we get to know them. And, you know, you asked me about my own chart earlier. I have the sign of Capricorn on my rising. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn and there's a limited cynical sense that goes along with Capricorn. And so I've had this feedback when people first meet me, they've thought that I was very standoffish and very hard to get to. And then of course, once they get to know me, they see that softer side and they, they see that side that's very fun and sweet. And I think that's true with many of us, that we have these different facets that we show Obviously, the rising sign is a bit of a defense mechanism. It's now for you with your Gemini rising, you know, you sort of meet the world in a very like fun, curious, talkative, communicative way, which is very different than my Capricorn. And so for anyone out there that is not familiar with their own chart, it would be easy for you to research on your own, the sun, moon and rising sign in your own chart. And, and you probably find a lot of resonance with what you found there. And then, of course, if you wanted to go deeper and find out how they all relate to each other, and, you know, there's a bunch of other planets and a bunch of other housing systems, you know, within, but just really enlightening and fascinating things, I think, to learn about yourself. I will link to a resource I found that makes it really easy to calculate and read up a little bit on your rising sign, your moon, and your sun, because it was really enlightening to me. You can find that at mindlove.com slash 028. We are multifaceted. And so most of my life, I didn't really resonate with Taurus. Only now that I'm beginning to find myself more is the stable nature of Taurus starting to resonate more because I'm finding a lot of success in creating routines and building new habits. But for most of my life, I thought my sign was wrong. <laughs> I had actually said, I feel like I'm supposed to be a Gemini. This makes perfect sense because my rising sign is Gemini. So I have those characteristics when I meet new people or when I'm first put into a situation. Another aspect that blew my mind were the transit charts. We were able to pinpoint exact dates where some big shift might be happening. One of these first dates said it was supposed to be when a wake-up call is occurring or a change is starting. And the date was December 5th, 2017, which is the exact date that I launched the Mind Love podcast. Yeah, just briefly for everybody, the transit chart shows where the planets are in the sky at the very moment of your reading or, you know, at the very moment, planets are always transiting and they do come along and they sort of touch in on our personal planets in our natal chart and they bring about different periods of growth and of needing to work harder. And, and they bring us situations and people into our lives that sort of push us toward what our soul really wanted to come in and learn. That was so fascinating too, to have your transit charts and, be, and being able to correlate the dates to some really big things that happened in your life. And, you know, again, like more evidence that, you know, it's not like you could just say, oh, you know, that date could apply to anybody. Because, you know, it's pretty accurate on the exact day that you started the podcast, you hit this intense transit, right? Hold that thought. Audiobooks are my favorite way to step up my personal growth without taking time out of my busy day. Audible includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, including all of my favorites and every single book we've ever mentioned on Mind Love, like Think and Grow Rich, Psycho-Cybernetics, The Four Agreements, seriously, all of them. Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in their store, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over to the next month. If you don't like a book, you just exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, your books are yours to keep so you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. I use Audible every single day, and now you can join me because Audible is offering Mind Love listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash mind or text mind to 500-500 to get your free book today. There are a lot of different branches of astrology. 
Why is that? What do they do differently? And what are the major ones that we should look out for? I think the two major kinds of astrology that we see here is Western astrology, which is which uses a tropical system. And that is what I use to read with. Um, when I do a reading, I use 19 points, which include planets, asteroids, nodes. So I use Western astrology and most American astrologers do. It really is great at predicting the psychological nature of people. It definitely lacks some reliability for predicting future events. We can look at transit charts like I did with you, and we can say, you know, you're having a Saturn transit. So that means that over these next nine months, you're going to be really doing some hard work. You're going to have to get disciplined. You're going to have to set some goals. And oftentimes we can find pivotal life moments within the dates of those transits. But that's not really what Western astrology is about. Western astrology is more about looking at the psychological nature. And Vedic, it uses a different system. It is Indian astrology, for the most part. And they use 27 constellations, including fixed star groups and planets. And it is much more precise. Um, It's also really used to predict future events. And it also talks a lot about karmic tendencies. So, you know, I guess it depends on which is more appealing to somebody as they're getting a reading, you know, some people don't want the prediction, they find that to be scary. But you know, other people really want that. So I think it just depends on what you feel called to. I want to go back a little to your story. What initially attracted you to astrology? How did you get here? You know, I've always been fascinated with the things that are a little bit different, the things that are a little bit sort of more um, mystical and spiritual. And I have also always been really, like I said earlier, very attuned to what's happening with other people. I didn't realize that that's what was happening. (laughs) You know, I didn't realize that I was able to sort of I don't know, I hate saying reading energy because it sounds so like woo-woo and out there. But because I have this gift of being able to sort of just read people when I meet them, people were always coming to me, opening up, sharing their problems with me, and I was able to sort of help them pinpoint exactly what was going on. And so after being a professional artist and metalsmith for many, many years, I wanted to change my career. And I went and I got certified as a life coach, which helped me to work with people in that respect. I then had a really amazing astrology reading, my first one, that just was so eye-opening. And I began to sort of dabble in astrology. I didn't start formal studies until um, a few years ago, I I did an apprenticeship with an amazing astrologer. And I just realized like, this is my thing. This is my map, because I am able to use my innate skills of, of being able to see into the heart of the matter. But to have this map, where I can say, you know, this would suggest this chart suggests that you had a difficult relationship with your father. Is that true? I don't have to wait for my client to divulge that. I can suggest it in the chart, and then that opens the door. Oftentimes, I'll have people who I've never met that I'm doing readings for that will just be crying, and they'll apologize profusely. I'm so sorry, I'm crying. And it's like, no, that that to me is sort of like one of the signs that I've done my job is to really open up a doorway in somebody to help them see themselves more clearly. It's sort of like, it feels like my life's work. And so astrology for me is like my premier tool for being able to help people see what's happening with them, help them understand their patterning and help them understand what they can shift if if they so desire. Speaking of shifting behaviors, I want to talk about one of the most talked about things I feel in astrology, Mercury retrograde. Every time things seem to be going totally wrong with transportation or communication or technology, I look it up and there it is, Mercury retrograde is happening again. To be fair, this is probably mentioned way more often in the LA area, (laughs) and it also happens fairly often, three or four times a year for a few weeks stretch of a time. But now that I'm aware of it, I do notice its effects. So for those who don't know, can you tell us 
what Mercury retrograde is and why it seems to be so powerful. Sure. So Mercury is one of the fastest moving planets. And so we end up having Mercury retrograde a handful of times a year. And what a retrograde means is that the planets move in the sky in a counterclockwise motion. They occasionally look, they appear from Earth as if they're moving backwards, and that's called retrograde. And so anytime that a planet is in retrograde, and they all have retrograde periods, Mercury has the most, but anytime that a planet is in retrograde, it really wants us to go back over old ground, to revisit, to revise, to redo. And with Mercury retrograde, Mercury is the planet of communication. Mercury rules the way that we connect with people through communication. Mercury is very restless and flexible and and witty. And when Mercury goes into retrograde, oftentimes what we're all asked collectively to do is to go back and look at the way that we've been communicating over the past two months and look at like, hey, what has not worked? What do I need to redo? So I think that sometimes that brings in an element of sort of chaos, which is what people stress out about. You know, you see memes all over Instagram and whatnot about the horror of Mercury retrograde. And and oftentimes it's like, it's uncomfortable to have to confront the places that we aren't very good at communication. Communication isn't the easiest thing for for many of us. And then also because it happens so often, there is this feeling of like, oh my God, we're in Mercury retrograde again, and everything seems to be going wrong. But the things that are going wrong really are just it's almost like they function as little mindfulness bells for us around, hey, do I really want to be, you know, communicating like this? Do I really want to be moving through the world in this fashion? And and what do I need to change in order to do better next time? I've heard people go as far as saying not to travel during Mercury retrograde. Is that something that you recommend to do or, or not to do as well? Well, you know, I mean, people say you shouldn't sign contracts, that you shouldn't travel, that you shouldn't buy anything new. And, you know, it's like Mercury retrograde happens a number of times each year. And it's like, can we, do we really have to plan our lives around this? I think that in my experience, it sort of depends on where Mercury is retrograde in the chart. And that's a really big level concept. You'd have to know a little bit more about astrology to figure that out. So if let's say Mercury is going retrograde on your sun, then yeah, you're going to feel it and you might want to avoid traveling. But if Mercury is going retrograde in a sign that isn't really a big heavy hitter for you, you're probably not going to feel it as much. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Okay, that makes more sense. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah. this happens like three, four times a year. I feel like that's very limiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so what are some of the other big cosmic shifts coming up this year, if any, that might affect all of us in some way? Yeah, that's a good question. And actually, we have had a big shift just a few days ago. And that is the planet Uranus has moved into a new sign of Taurus. Uh, Uranus takes about seven years to transit a sign. And Uranus is the planet that is responsible for shakeups. And Uranus is forward future thinking. Uranus is 
the planet that really pushes us to innovate, pushes us to be original and keep things moving forward. And so Uranus moving into the sign of Taurus is something that we're all going to feel. Those of us that have a strong Taurus signature in our chart are going to feel it the strongest. Actually, those of us that have the fixed signs in our chart are going to feel it the strongest. And that's Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius, and Leo. But Taurus rules money and the physical body and our relationship to those things and our relationship to what we consider abundant. And so Uranus moving into the sign of Taurus means that we are all going to experience on some level, some shakeups around what we consider to be valuable. We're going to really be asked to reevaluate again, sort of what is valuable to us? What is really valuable? And what have we only been thinking is valuable that really doesn't have any, any place in our lives anymore? You can look to things like on a collective level, we can look to things like currency. Uh, we might see some stuff happening around cryptocurrency. We might see some stuff happening with the stock market. Uh, we can look at the way that we grow food, the GMOs, the pesticides, the way that the food industry has been operating for a number of years is unhealthy. And so if I was going to predict, which I'm not, but we could say that Uranus moving into Taurus might affect some of those things. And we might see some shifts and some changes, some innovation, and we might need to start thinking out of the box. And on a smaller level, on a mundane level for all of us, we might have to reevaluate our finances, the way that we make money, the way that we save money. And then also this will apply to the way that we eat food and also our relationship to our physical body and the way that we do our health. You wrote a beautiful article for Savannah East on the power of understanding our secrets. I loved it because I've been talking about this a lot lately. The more I'm unraveling my purpose in life, the more I'm realizing how powerful my ability to open up about some of the darker parts of my life has been. And the response of showing vulnerability from listeners and friends has connected us in a way that I hadn't quite experienced before. So what are your thoughts on the importance of kind of blowing the lid off of some of our secrets? So in astrology, the planet that rules secrets is Pluto. And Pluto rules Scorpio and the eighth house. We all have that in our chart. And so there are places within all of us that we keep secrets. And sometimes those are subconscious. We don't even know that it's there. And sometimes they're just the things that we don't want to talk about. And in fact, Pluto rules the things that we don't want to talk about. But there can be so much power in learning how to talk about them. Because, you know, first of all, it's like shining light into the dark corners of our consciousness. And there's something really profound about bringing the things that we think are ugly or distasteful out to be examined. Because once we bring them out, we can see that they aren't really as big and as horrible as we might have thought that they were. And I think that it's true of most of us. We can spend many, many, many years sort of secretly obsessing over our flaws or some Plutonian things would be jealousy, rage, emotional repression, emotional manipulation, power and control issues, intimacy issues. And we all have those. And yet we all feel very embarrassed about the fact that we, that we have places in our lives that we act out. But by bringing them sort of out and sharing them with people, a few things happen. You know, you get people, and, and I know that you know this personally, you get people that write to you or that stand up and say, hey, I totally relate to that. I've been there. And hearing you talk about it has made me feel as if, as if I'm okay. And listening to you talk about how you've managed to heal some of those places has really given me insight and guidance around how I can heal those places too. It's another thing that I really love about astrology is helping people really see what those places are, you know, helping people get acquainted 
with the fact that they they might be passive aggressive when they get angry. And because I'm sitting there as their astrologer, it's like we have this we have this dynamic between us where I can suggest these things in, you know, in a kind way and they can actually hear it. And then once they hear it, it's like, oh, the secret's out. Wow. I am really passive aggressive when I get angry. Oh my God. And then ideally you can kind of start talking about some of those things with your partner or with your friends. And, and, you know, I think that the more that we share about ourselves, sort of the less of a monster it becomes, right? If that makes sense. I can definitely see how I would react differently to someone who knows me saying something like, yeah, well, you know, you can be too judgmental. And I'm thinking, wait, how long have you been waiting to say this to me (laughs) compared to someone saying, well, according to your chart, you may have a tendency to be judgmental. Does that resonate with you? And reacting, well, yep, that (laughs) might have some truth to it. It adds that healthy bit of detachment because I'm a firm believer that just because my chart says something like, I have a tendency to be too judgmental and it comes out the strongest in my own inner critic. I don't take those things and think, oh, well, that's just me. I am too judgmental. My inner critic runs my life and that's just how things are going to be. We are our highest selves. We are these amazing, energetic beings and all this other stuff is what we're here to work out, to work through and to learn to rise above it. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to sort of emphasize the fact that when we look at some of these shadowy sides of ourselves, our our first reaction is to deem them bad. But most of the time we've developed these things as defense mechanisms. You know, I'll use my own example because I do get passive aggressive when I feel hurt. Pluto is a pretty big part of my chart. And so being able to see, oh, I have this Pluto that's hanging out right here that's kind of affecting everything wow, that does make me passive aggressive. But what I have seen is that I'm not being passive aggressive just because I'm a terrible person or because I'm mean. I'm being passive aggressive because I developed it as a defense mechanism. In my family of origin, it wasn't okay to just say what you wanted and to just say what you were feeling. You had to be more subtle about it. And that was the modeling that I had from watching my parents. And that was what I got from this is how the world works, but being able to understand what's happening and being able to see that has really helped me to backtrack. And so I see that when I am, when I do find myself being passive aggressive, that I am in a place of pain. I've been hurt. And this is my scorpion tail coming out to sting because that's the only way that I know how to defend now that I know this, when I do see myself being passive aggressive, I can ideally step into a different place and say, oh, maybe we don't need to be so defended right now. Maybe what we really need is to show some softness and some kindness to me. And that helps me to relax. And that helps me shift out of that really defended place. And we all do this. Anger feels so much better than grief or sadness. And emotional repression feels so much better than grief and sadness and and longing. And so we all use these cover emotions to defend. The more aware we are of these ways that we defend against the world, the more authentic we can actually show up in the world. So the inner critic seems to be a running theme in most people's lives. What are some ways that we can start to hush its voice or even better work with it a little? I do a lot of work with clients on inner critic and on boundaries. They're very merged together. So what happens is that we all develop inner critics, right? And they end up sounding a lot like our primary caretakers. And they are really a necessary part of our development because we need to know as a two-year-old who is suddenly mobile and trying to assert ourselves in the world, we need to have some rules that we carry along with us in our in our mind so that we don't get hurt. So we don't drink poison or we don't run out in the street and get hit by a car. And so we internalize the voice of our parents. We internalize that voice that says, no, don't do this, don't do this. Or some of us had parents who were not very kind 
And we ended up with very unkind inner critics. Some of us were just very, very hard on ourselves early on. We, we might have looked around and thought, wow, you know, the adults don't really have, have it together. So I have to sort of have it together here. And then we develop unkind voices of our own. So they initially serves a purpose. It initially kind of keeps us in line, but of course it, it grows bigger and, and more pervasive and louder as we age. And it can really, really do a number on us. In fact, I would say that the majority of the people that I work with that have developed autoimmune diseases or physical symptoms or just simply are very emotionally heavy people, those are the people that have the loudest, most cruel inner critics. And so then boundaries becomes a really big piece of that work. Oftentimes, you know, there is a correlation, the louder our inner critic is, the softer our boundaries are, not only with other people, but with ourselves. And so there becomes this real impetus to begin to get a handle on the inner critic, developing boundaries for your inner critic so that you are not being constantly beaten up for every decision that you make. I think that that it might be one of the most painful things that a human can have to endure is just a terribly loud, cruel inner critic. And it's oftentimes what would drive us to use drugs and alcohol, to develop eating disorders. There's something about really needing the space from that voice in our head and not being able to get away from it that it just sort of starts a snowball effect of some really difficult things in our lives. When you say, you know, what are some tips for working with the emotional police or working with your inner critic? The first thing is starting to look at your own boundaries and your boundaries with other people in your life and then your boundaries with yourself and how often you're letting that voice take over, how often you're doing things that you really don't want to do in order to keep other people happy how often you're even drinking alcohol to numb and you don't want to be drinking as much. That's another example of really, you know, needing to do some boundary work and needing to look at how to have better boundaries across the board in your life so that you can move into a place of more freedom where you aren't doing behaviors that are um, detrimental and you aren't overextending yourself to the people in your life. And then you aren't beating yourself up constantly. I love those tips. And again, it comes back to awareness because boundaries came up on my chart. It goes hand in hand with the loud inner critic. And after the reading, someone who in the past has taken from me more than they give. And this person asked me for a favor. I said I didn't have the time and they just sent the information along anyways, expecting me to do it. And if I hadn't brought that awareness there, I probably would have fallen into my old tendencies. But I thought to myself, have some boundaries, Melissa. And I did. I realized I need to save my energy for those who deserve it and who aren't just energy vampires. And I thought, yes, boundary achieved. Yeah. Well, and I think that you'll find and everybody who's doing boundary work is it is this practice. It's not something that we just nail immediately. And the more that people press on our boundaries, the more that we're going to be required to say no. And there's a real discomfort in that because we have to tolerate their disappointment or we have to have, you know, we have to say no twice, you know, like really, I have to say no to you twice. But for you, that's probably exactly what you needed was great. You said no the first time. Well, I'm going to push on it a little bit. I want to see how firm those boundaries really are. And it pushed you into, oh my gosh, having to take a deep breath and, and really say your truth loudly and clearly. It is, it, it is a constant practice for all of us. But you know, the more that we do it, the easier it gets. And suddenly people like this person aren't calling you anymore. It's like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> Yeah. And like you said in the beginning of this episode, our souls choose these experiences as lessons to transcend. We talked about it in episode 26 as well. So there's been a big shift in the way I'm viewing my challenges lately. Using that as an example, instead of viewing it like the nerve of this guy to push me, my boundaries are already low. I thought of it like, well, this is something my soul is choosing. I've been given information that I need to work harder to enforce boundaries than other people might. So it just became 
the next challenge. This is just the next step to be this level in the video game of life. (laughs) So again, super helpful. And I was just really surprised at the information that came to light in my reading. So for any listeners that are interested in taking a deep dive into their astrological charts and to learn how to navigate it with you, where can they find you? They can find me online. I have a website, uh, nathacampanella.com. And I'm just going to spell Natha because it's a strange name. My parents were hippies. <laughs> so it's N-A-T-H-A. And I am also on Instagram at Natha underscore Campanella underscore astrology. I do so many different kinds of readings, like I said. Really, it doesn't really matter where you're at in your life or what's going on. I think that an astrology reading, whether you're like sort of in total chaos and just want some answers, or whether you just want to know what your blueprint is, your baseline for some of the things that are going on. What did you come in here to learn? What is your journey? You know, where is your life's great work? You know, how do you show up in relationship? All of these answers can be found in your natal chart. Well, that was awesome. I've always kind of been a fan of personality tests and things like that, but they seem to lack depth most of the time. And that's what I loved about this astrology reading because we do have these different aspects of ourselves. We show up in different ways, depending if we're comfortable or not, if we're around new people or familiar faces or even the things we say out loud compared to the things going on inside our heads. If you loved this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or add a comment to CastBox. They really do help the growth of this podcast. Also, I want to give a little shout out to my favorite review of the week. A listener with the username Teebly said, I rarely write reviews, but felt compelled because I fell fast in love with this podcast. Everything I've heard has resonated with me so much. I always say I'm a work in progress and trying to level up my life and this helps me. So thank you so much to the listener out there who wrote that. It really put a smile on my face and I love each and every one of you. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 